No, Trevor Brody was not substituted in that game, and this is episode 71 of Off the Crossbar. Hello. He was substituted in the game before the sporting game at like the like we, halftime, talk, right? We're talking about RSL way too early. Sorry. I was doing just the tiniest amount of prep and pulled up the some of the stats, and I completely Amen. thought Brody was substituted. It's Sorry. okay, but we'll get to it. It's not a mistake you can make when we've got a guest on the podcast, and of course, that <laughs> guest is not Matthew Montgomery. He is out of town still, so we have our dear friend, Dr. Colin Young, on the podcast <laughs> with us today. Hello, Colin. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Thank you. I've never been on this podcast with you. Uh, because the other time you were here is when I was not here. Is that correct? That is true. Yeah. That sounds familiar. All right. We've done some doctor type analysis and that has been confirmed. We love to see it. I may be eating food here also here in a sec. So perfect. If you see me eating, please carry for me. Uh, if that ends up being the case. Um, so we have a lot to talk about today. It's a very exciting day in history for us because it is monday november something and um it's there's only probably a few weeks left to see dune in theaters so i would highly recommend to do to this monumental historical day that you go see it in imax you've got to do it fantastic absolutely fantastic it's so, so good good and especially in i mean i loved the movie but just seeing an imax was a treat Tre- trevor have you done that yet or no no Okay, well. What in the world? Oh my God, this is not helping me at all. Are you all. still looking at whether or not Andrew Brody was substituted in a game recently? <laughs> no, it's even better. I literally Googled How Dune be in IMAX and then went to IMAX.com slash movie slash Dune to try to buy tickets. And for some reason, it thinks I am in Los Angeles or Toronto. It usually, th- anytime I Google stuff here, or if I go, go to a site that automatically detects my location, especially if it's from my phone, I think I'm in Vegas or Arizona. So glad, glad to see you've moved somewhere a little bit better. I think, I think we're all probably LA over Las Vegas heads here. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Love to see it. Well, Not okay, even a contest. Yeah. So kicking off social hour. Um, I wanted to give an update for our dear friend, Matthew. And he, of course, like last week, has sent along a ton of pictures and um, just short descriptions as to what he was doing. He's still on his like mega road trip. He unfortunately missed the RSL uh, hosting Portland game because he went to Portland instead, thinking the game was there. So you know, tell Matthew, sorry. Um, he sat there in an empty stadium by himself and watched the game on his phone. So he had a better time to be honest, uh, than I had at the stadium. I think honestly, really good for him. Good for you, Matt. I'm glad you were not there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, That it wasn't a good one. Um, so Matt sends along, let's see, looks like a picture of a very nice beach. Uh, waking up with some beautiful trees out of his window. Another very nice beach, this time at sunset. Um, some roasted seasoning, slug lime. Looks like everything bagel types. It, the brand is called Los Los Bagels. Los you, Bagels. Is that bagel? No, that's bagels, dude. That, okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, he also sent a picture from inside a Cambodian restaurant. Um, love to see that. 
And then he also wrote his name. Well, sorry, no, he didn't write his name in the sand. It does say Matthew eleven six twenty one on some sand, and there's a picture of Matt with it. But he did not write his name on the beach, but it was there anyway. So that's it's a it's a confused looking Matt. Yeah, he's like, how did this get here? Um, he also posted a picture of a very delicious looking, uh, like ice cream chocolate bar. Is that what that is from Dick Taylor chocolate? Don't know what that is. It looks delicious though. It's got sprinkle. Oh, it's got stuff on it. I don't yeah, know what's just, going on. It just there. looks like a, like a, yeah, it's ice cream that got dipped in chocolate and covered in. Are those like a whole bunch of stuff? Candy nuts. I don't know what's going on. And then he sent like a just magnificent photo of the, of the California or Oregon redwoods. Um, because he is uh, in LA, I guess he said We're heading to LA. Also, LA traffic coming up. Excited for that. And he said, "Miss you guys, dudes." Sorry, he's called us dudes. We miss him, um, but we're happy to have Colin with us. And you know, as such, Colin's going to give us his social hour update. Colin, what have you been up to, my friend? What's going on since the last time we talked? Since, you better give what, us what have you been a doing? Mega update S- since like April. <laughs> yeah, uh, give like or take. Nothing. I did nothing talk to you April. on. Uh, halftime at the Portland game, I think. Yes. Yeah, that's what that's when that was. So, I don't know. Um, that seems like a general, a generally good time, I guess. First, time first of all, I liked that I got the listener experience in which I did not see any of the photos Matt sent, so I got to just imagine them <laughs> along with the listener. So uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Just a beach, beach, some trees, and I'm a chocolate just, bar. You know, I'm just imagining what this chocolate bar covered in sprinkles looks like. I'm sure it was fantastic. Good for you, Matt. Really excited about that for you. I feel bad for calling him sprinkles because as upon closer inspection, I don't They're have the definitely not eye. sprinkles. You're you're not looking at sprinkles at all. I didn't zoom in until it was very. It was. No, very I did the same thumbnail. thing. I pulled it up and I was like, "Oh, these are not sprinkles." The thumbnail makes bit. it look like sprinkles. Anyway, sorry. The listener's <laughs> experience. Um. So let's see. What have I been up to? Uh, this weekend, uh, a lot of sports. Um. You know, watched some bad jazz games and some, some tough, terrible jazz games, some tough soccer games as well uh, this weekend. Um, you know, people who know me know I'm a big Liverpool fan. They had a they had a really rough game on Sunday morning against the Hammers, and the Jazz looked uh, fairly good against the Heat. Yeah, Lost actually, that was a good game. Uh, the Jazz versus the Heat was a great game. I really enjoyed watching that one, actually. And I will admit, I actually didn't watch any of the Magic game because it happened to coincide with the exact timing of the RSL game. So uh, I didn't watch any of that one. Same. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, the girlfriend is gone. Uh, she's on the road. She was at the Magic game, obviously. Um, so she was at Harry Potter World today, which I was really Dang. excited for her about. And I got a whole bunch of updates uh, about her at Harry Potter World, which... She's just been waiting to do for a long time. So very excited for her. Shouts to Sarah. Um, what else did I do? Oh, I, went I should to this have place. introduced you as uh, NBA Sarah's boyfriend. My bad. <laughs> that would have been way better. It would have been way better. Um, well, this opportunity. Maybe next time. Yeah, maybe next time. Um, I went to I went to a store. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. I think it's French. It's uh, Trader Joe's. Um, <laughs> it's, it's brand new. Uh I don't think, you know, it's the first time I had ever been there. And I don't know if you guys knew this, the, f- the food there, pretty good. I do big fan. I mean, I, it's, it's just great that we're able to get such like low price, high quality imports from France from for, to that, to that place. I, I don't speak French, so I don't want to give my hand at trying a pronunciation for it, but, um, you know, 
you, you can refer to Collins, uh, very, I think accurate pronunciation of that store, but yeah, great. I've, French never, I've never heard of this place. This sounds like it's a delicious. hip new place. They got so many good snacks there. It's just, and not, not only French food too. They got like normal American stuff there. It's great. <laughs> Uh, it's a surprising amount of like Asian fusion food for a mm-hmm. French place. Um, so, you know, I, it's, it's a, it's been a nice change for me to pick up some, uh, new food from the normal stuff I've been eating. So, uh, that was really nice. That was really nice to go there. Um, it's nice. I love that store. Holy cow. I honest to God did not know that there was one of those in Orem. Yeah. yeah I was, was going to make some comment up. about like, me being in Utah County, not knowing about this fancy Salt Lake stores, but there's one legitimately six minutes away from me. Yeah, yeah. it was a huge deal when they opened it. The people have been lobbying for years. And uh, yeah, now you don't ever have to go to Salt Lake, Trevor, for anything. <laughs> Never, ever again. I Thank think that goodness. was the goal. Well, Trevor, my friend, what have you been up to? I know uh, I saw you as well last Wednesday. At that famed game against Portland, but what's been going on since then? Um, well, not a lot. I, I did, did try my hand at a new thing yesterday, and I thought I screwed it up, and it turns out I didn't. Well, I did, but not nearly as bad as I thought I did. I made a um, I made my kid decide what we were doing for dinner on Sunday night, and because they don't have an opinion on food like ever. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to cook dinner and you're going to know what it is and you're going to help me make it. And we're going to get involved in this stuff. And so they decided that they wanted a pepperoni pizza. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, so we're going to make a homemade pizza. We're going to do it from scratch. We're not going to buy a dough. We're going to make a dough and we're going to cook it. And it's going to be, we're going to do pizza start to finish. And so I found uh, like a deep dish uh, Chicago style, like pizza recipe. Yes. And made it. Yes. And I made a mistake In when I part? measured out the flour. Oh, yeah. That seems like and an important cornmeal. And so when I made the dough, like it was just wet. Like it was, it was like a liquid dough. I didn't put anywhere near enough flour in it, but I managed to save it, turned it into a dough and cooked it. It's like a, so you cook it in like a, like a, just a cast iron like pan, mm-hmm. basically. Um, but we ended up making the sauce from scratch. We put all the cheese and crap into it and put it in the oven and it came out delicious. It looked really, really good. Really I, saw, I saw a picture on Twitter. Yeah, it was turned out really good. The crust obviously needed some work because we screwed up the dough. But we'll get it right next time. It's fine. That's We're not mad right. about it. Making homemade pizzas really is a fun thing to do. And it was I, so easy. Like I was always intimidated. I don't know why. Cause like I know how to cook and I can cook things, but I was always intimidated by pizza and I finally did it. And yeah, it's awesome and easy. This is definitely going to be a thing that happens a lot more often. My problem is, is that I know how to cook when I'm doing it, but I have no plan when I'm like actually shopping or anything like that. So then I never buy anything to actually cook. Yep. Um, that's what I'm really bad at. Other people like go to the store and just buy a bunch of stuff and they're like, here's what we're doing. I've got all these plans for meals and I go to the store and I have absolutely no plan and I come home with no food whatsoever. Yeah, that it definitely kind of... requires some forethought, which is <laughs> yeah. tough. That was one of my goals during pandemic was to just be better about buying things at the store with the intention of like cooking meals and putting meals together and cooking stuff at home just generally. So yeah, I, I used to be terrible about that. And then it took a global pandemic in about 18 months 
for me to finally decide to get better at it. Oh, man. I'll just wait around for the next one, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, there's still time. We're still popping. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, we're doing great here. Um, anyway, so... Uh, oh, I forgot it's my turn. Well, let's see. It doesn't feel like I've done anything because last week I just had just like the most insane work week. Like I was still working when I got to the like I like the break I took on Wednesday of the work that I would that I needed to do was like when I was driving to the stadium and then I was like working from the press box for like a while. And then after it was just like one of those weeks for me, um, it appears that this week will not be that, which is good. Um, so I feel like I didn't do anything. I finally stopped at like, seven, I don't know what time on Friday. Um, but yeah, Friday I went to, uh, Carly and I went to Chan and Thai and it was delicious. Um, right there on uh, 9th that right there on 9th. Oh, so good. Big fan of Chan and Thai. It's unbelievably good. Yeah, it's it's just a classic. Um, we went there a few weeks ago for my birthday, and we were, we were just I needed it yesterday or last week due to that work week. I was like, okay, it's time we're going again. Um, just a, just a classic Thai meal. Uh, and then after that, we went and saw Last Night in Soho, which was Edgar Wright's new movie. Um, and I thought it was pretty. And it thought it was an entertaining watch. Uh, it was it was pretty. I don't, I don't know what else to say beyond that. It was fun. I liked watching it. Um, and then I just kind of tried to chill the freak out all weekend. But yeah, I also watched that dastardly Liverpool game, um, which was just, I, I don't know. I don't know, Colin. I, I don't know about it. I mean, you, you got to give credit to West the Ham. They played, they played really well. Um, Counterattack was excellent. Some yeah. uncharacteristic mistakes in defense by Liverpool, but that's kind of what happens when you're, you know, you got a strong counter putting pressure yeah. on the defense and kind of a shocker from Allison, honestly, in goal. Yeah, that was that that first goal was really bad, and it really gave the Hammers a lot of confidence. You could tell. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it shut uh, the uh, game down for like thirty minutes essentially until uh, until Liverpool equalized. But yeah, it was like. It was, they're quite, they're quite the team. I mean, they deserve to be that high up in the table. They're, they're good, but. Also, what a, what a comeback story for David Moyes for having been fired in like such, like such a pathetic fashion from Manchester United when he finally got his big break to having like come a long way. You have to, you have to give him credit. I mean, you know, as a Liverpool fan for a long time, I remember David Moyes Everton teams and they were, you know, tough and a really yep. fierce rivalry with Liverpool. So I didn't love them a ton. But, you know, you really have to root for him at this point. That's that's, a, that's an incredible do. comeback. Especially if you hate Manchester United and Cristiano Ronaldo, you absolutely need to be rooting for uh, David Moyes right now. Um, it just sucks when your team comes up against him. I think that's... That's all I've been up to. I really haven't been doing that much. I've been kind of rewatching uh, Search Party on HBO because I've needed like a show to just have on. I don't know if you guys have watched that, but um, it's a good show. I'm a historically bad show watcher. Historically Honestly? bad. Yeah, very, very bad. If you say, have you seen the show? My answer is almost always going to be no. What shows have you seen? Well, like, is there a show that you've watched like, all the way through, like every episode of? I mean, yes, but like 
nothing recent i guess sarah and i watched midnight mass okay um, that's like we, five episodes so that doesn't count or yeah like we had we had differing something. opinions on midnight mass you said you thought it was really good um, oh i loved midnight i i think that guy that makes those i, I yeah i know you guys didn't like it. i just love uh that guy that makes those that one and like haunting of hill house and bly manor I mean, like, I thought that the acting was really good. I thought, you know, it's obviously beautifully shot and stuff like that. Uh, I just ended up having a lot of problems with the plot because I felt like there were some some gaping holes. I mean, like, <laughs> like you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a scientist. I, you know, I don't believe in the supernatural and a lot of stuff. But I feel like my science brain would lead me to, be, like, see people sucking blood from people's necks. And I'd be like getting vampire vibes here guys what about you you know what i mean like i feel like that's something that would have come up for me and no one in the show at any point was like little vampire do you think guys can't go in the sun and like the fact that they never even talked about it in the show i was like this is absurd it's implied it's very implied colin um what's like a what's like a your all-time favorite show that you've watched all the way through do you like have one like do you even think about tv and like in that type of framing or no no, I don't think about. I don't really think about anything in that type of framing, to be honest. I don't like, like you know, know, like a favorite like band or like or like comfort movie or something like that. I think a lot of it is so situational. Um, mm. I mean, like you know, I've seen Radiohead in concert four times, but it's not like I'm going every day. Like, man, I can't listen to radio. I can't wait to listen to Radiohead. Right? It's like <laughs> at certain times, like it's it's really cathartic and like meaningful to me, and at other times, mm. I. So it's like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't tend to think of things a lot in terms of favorites. Uh, Interesting. Mostly, mostly just like, what do I enjoy? And, you know, the timing of when you are exposed to something and like what you're going through is so important. So I, I, don't, I don't think about that, uh, like favorites a lot. I know it's like really important for people to like rank and think about this often. Mm-hmm. And it's something I almost never do. You need to get hop on this BuzzFeed brain train we've all got over here. That's great. I've got to tell you about a conversation. This relates to a conversation I had with my roommate recently. We were talking about something or other, and he asked me my favorite something movie, probably. Um, and I realized that like I don't like the question favorite. I've grown sick and tired of it. It's not a question that like you learn anything about. Like if I tell you mm-hmm. my favorite movie, it gives you like an imperfect view into movies that I like or what I might like from movies. I've always had generally like the answer just to give an example of like saving private Ryan as my favorite movie. But if I sit and think about it, I can easily come up with like five movies that I enjoy more than saving private Ryan. It's just saving private Ryan is a safe answer. I don't think you learn anything from like, what's your favorite, anything like band or movie or, or TV show, whatever. Like, I, I don't think you learn anything. I prefer asking, like, give me, like, give me your top five movies or give me. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, like, just, well, I mean, just top start five listing movies like you like. Just start listing though. bands you like. <laughs> You're saying, say, if I ask for your top, your top five movies, those are your top five favorite movies. Right. right? right. But I'm not asking you to like set anything in stone. I'm asking you to just give I'm me like for this to be carved into literal gold plates. <laughs> just, just give me the first five favorite movies that come to your head or five favorite bands that come to your head or whatever. And then we can have a conversation about that. Mm-hmm. And then as we start the conversation, you can start editing and changing your list and giving yeah, different reasons really and remembering different things. That's like, like people on, letterboxd will have like their favorite movies or whatever i think you can put like four maybe it's like five i don't know how many just on like your main profile page i've never done that because i i mean like if i go through each movie i could probably come up with like i obviously rate most the movies i watch out of like five stars but i generally don't 
like develop a, a favorite list. And if somebody asked me my favorite movies, I honestly don't even know what I would say. I, it's easier for me to say my favorite television shows, but movies are really tough because I feel like I've watched, I like so many across so many different genres that like, yeah, uh, it's, that's just a really like, Oh, like what genre are we talking? Then I could give you like a more definitive list, but yeah. But if you just uh, start like, naming only... favorite movies, like that's going to mm-hmm. start jogging your memory and then you're going to go, oh, no, wait, I actually like this one more. And well, if we're talking about comedies, I'm going to say this, that and the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just think that's a much better conversation. Interesting. Point. OK, well, way I'll be to, sure to, carry to that never ask Colin his favorite anything <laughs> and to only ask you your favorites and groupings of five and by genre. Perfect. Thank All you. Right. I will. I will That's punt that I mean. question every time. I, every single time I will punt that question. I'll just be like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> uh, that's. Oh man, that's funny. I, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I like to, I hate the question, but I like thinking about, uh, I hate when somebody asks me cause I hate answering, but I like thinking about yeah. it in my own head. What, the, what, uh, my favorites are. Um, I think I can pretty definitively say that like the Sopranos is in my like top three TV shows, but like, that's hard because it's up against like, I'd also put like arrested development in there and like, what do arrested development and the Sopranos have in common other than that they're both on television, like not a lot. And Sopranos was on HBO, so it's like even more different. So, hey man, I don't know. Anyway, so we've got, we've got, I was trying to think of some news items because we generally go from social hours to news to like game recaps and whatnot or in previews. And I couldn't think of too much news uh, except I, other than the fact that like playoffs, the uh, playoff teams have been decided as of yesterday. That was decision day. And, um, but then I remembered that Chris Wondolowski finally retired yesterday also, because it was the end of San Jose's season. Um, as a reminder, they were knocked out of the playoffs when we, when they beat us, but they're still (laughs) knocked out of the playoffs. So their season ended yesterday and, uh, he retired finally, and he can no longer torture us. Um, Well, he, he did it the right way too. I really like the idea of uh, like the team and him just not announcing anything until like middle of the game. They were like, Hey everybody stay here. Don't leave. And then they just like gave him a mic and let him like talk to the crowd. I thought that was incredible. And for yeah. like a player like that, that had played there for like what, 15 some odd years or whatever it was like, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, big shots to Chris Wondolowski. What a career in MLS. It was something, what, like 171 MLS goals or something like that. Yeah, he's a tyrant in this uh, league. Just unbelievable. Um, the the quality of goals, just the lowest possible quality, right? <laughs> Every single time, just like weird foot stuck in front of a defender to get a goal. Like There was no bangers outside the box for Chris Wondolowski, right? It was just the ultimate poacher's goals. Uh a master at being in the absolute right place at the absolute right time every single time. Uh, you know, very glad to see him go uh, as as we already experienced too yeah. much heartbreak at the hands of Chris Wondolowski. So he can't haunt us anymore. Yeah. Thank Enjoy goodness. retirement, Chris. We're happy we're, to, we see, love you, to see it. <laughs> we do love to see it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, uh, He's just one of those guys that really did make a career out of uh, being really, really good at something that um, isn't pretty, but I mean, was an absolute pain to deal with as we saw this year, um, especially that first game 
where he scored on us twice uh, up until the a game again where he scored on us his first out of his first four four goals this season three of them were against us at Rio Tinto so um just a fascinating player uh pretty pretty cool career i th- i think he's a good guy but uh, i mean people uh, there are certain RF, rsl fans that are going to be very mean about a certain event that took place in a certain world cup game but um hey you know it is what it is so wando rip to him uh hope he enjoys retirement retirement in peace is what rip stands for uh and <laughs> obviously we all knew that yeah so there's like other stuff going around the league like um, there's a lot of, of rumors about Bob Bradley, Bob Bradley going to um, Toronto FC um, to be the coach up there with his b- other bald son. Well, I don't know if he has another son with his equally bald son in Toronto. <laughs> and um, Tab Ramos was act- was also fired at Houston. So they are coachless and Tab Ramos is uh, homeless as a coach. Uh, so, I don't think that really influences RSL's calculation, but um, he's another one of these coaches that's kind of been in the USA soccer orbit for forever. Um, that's just going to probably just go to another MLS team, I guess. I don't know. Um, so yeah. real quick question. Let's just pause at this and then talk about it for two seconds and then move on. Yes. Does Bob Bradley move the needle for the RSL coaching search like if he becomes available in the next week or so does that change oh, things? i think so absolutely i'm oh. gonna say no because i think rsl doesn't have the kind of rsl is not the market for a coach of bob like would i want bob bradley i think that he's probably a better coach than a lot of other candidates is bob bradley going to be interested in rsl i think that the answer is probably no That's what do you bad. think trevor no i think colin's Pretty much exactly right. I would love, like, Bob Bradley is, like, the caliber of coach that, like, RSL should be going for, right? This is what I've been asking for for years is, like, be serious about a coaching search and don't just hire from inside because it's nice and easy and convenient. Like, go out and get a coach that's been successful, either in MLS or in, like, Liga MX or in Europe or, or something. Go out and get... Miguel Herrera is the one that I keep going back to. Oh man, I wish. Like we we should be. Tra- that's the caliber of coach that like we should be trying to get, and the fans should be asking for. We've tried this whole like let's just hire whoever is available in the MLS carousel of coaches, and you end up with guys like Tab Ramos, who might be a good guy, but isn't that great of a coach. You end up with guys like Mike Petke and Jeff Kassar and Pablo Mastroeni, who aren't really good coaches but keep getting jobs just because they've been around forever like yeah it seems like we don't even going hire, to for sure win you yeah. games and it seems like we don't even hire the right guys that are in that carousel of mls coaches like robin frazier robin uh, frazier's come up twice pretty I sure know. yeah we've had the opportunity to hire him twice and he has just um you know led colorado to a first place in the western conference finish uh but you know um, and it t- took a Colorado roster. I mean, Colorado has sucked. <laughs> yes. They're good now. So um, anyway, yeah, I-, I would love to see someone like Bob Bradley here. That'd be great. Bob Bradley himself would be great, but I think he needs to unite with his bald son um, and they can have fun in, in Canada together. They can um, blind opposing goalkeepers with their foreheads. 
That's right. <laughs> we'll target the sun. I, I don't know how sunny it is in Toronto regularly. In my brain, it's very cloudy there, like England, but I don't know. That's probably not the case. But I just imagine them together. It just that'd be that'd be that I would love to see it. Um, okay. So we were talking about potentially uh recording after last Wednesday. We didn't because I talked to Trevor after the game or toward the end of the game. I was like, should we record tonight or tomorrow? Is it even worth it? Are we just going to sit there and be mad for like 30 minutes or whatever? And Trevor's like, yeah, I can only be mad for like 20 minutes. I was like, yeah, I don't know if this is worth it. So we'll just quickly go through the Portland game because I think it's important context for what happened in the, well, obviously it's important context for the result of the Sporting Kansas City game, but how we approached the Sporting Kansas City game um, was very different from how we pro- approached the Portland game. And if people remember the last time we played Portland before this last time they they beat us at home last week um, was when we just got absolutely wrecked in in Portland. Was it 6-0? Was that the it was, final? No, it was 6-1. to one. Uh, Wait, who scored our one goal? I don't remember, but it was definitely like a... Con- it was... I think it was either like a two to one goal or like a five to one goal. I can't remember. Um, We got smashed in Portland and it was bad because we, I mean, we, we played the three, five, two um, and we did not have the, uh, the defensive midfield um, chops versus combined with the uh, safety net of a, of a functioning defensive line in order to play that there. And they just punished us over and over and over and over again. And we just got smashed. And then yeah, Blanco, Blanco and Chara were yeah. just excellent in that game. Yeah. Uh, Yimmy Chara uh, like yes. scored. I think he scored at least one goal on us and was just a menace the whole game. And then, um, yeah. And then, uh, wait, what's the other Chara's first name? Diego. Diego Chara. Yeah. Diego Chara is just a fantastic number six um, and just a pain to play against. And he is so good at forcing winning the ball in midfield. And then when you win the ball in midfield against RSL, when they're playing the three, five, two, you immediately have a very dangerous counterattack opportunity, which we learned the hard way um, against Portland. Then we learned it the hard way against San Jose, then whatever week that was a week and a half ago. And then we or two weeks. I don't know. I can't remember how long ago that was. Was that just a week ago? A, we a week played, ago? Didn't we play uh, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday. Sunday? Yeah, so it was like a week and t- a day ago or whatever. Um, and then we learned that the hard way again when Portland came to RSL last week and um, we had the same thing to San Jose early on where we had a lot of chances. We had a lot of guys forward. Portland was playing very compact um, <laughs> and we're just trying to force turnovers when they could and then break when they could. And we conceded the exact same types of goals as we did against San Jose. We got beat on the break. We got beat at set pieces. Um, we got beat just like on our left side where we had a, a, le- a left back, a left wing back and left center back situation of Michael Chang and Justin Glad, um, who Justin Glad is very a lot more comfortable on the right side. And also, uh, Michael Chang is not a left back. And so it seemed that was uh, quite the weak spot for us, which they targeted. And that's what San Jose did as well. So we just got absolutely smoked. I don't even know if we need to say anything more about that. But it was just like we didn't adjust to anything 
um, we we came at, we came into that game looking like we learned nothing from the Saturday before, which we appeared not to have, uh, and we appeared to not have learned anything from the last time we played Portland, which was just a couple weeks before that. So, um, yeah. it was bad. That was all very much like, like you said at the end of the, when we talked at the end of the game, like we both were just saying we're just going to say the same things we said about the San Jose game. Cause it was the same thing. And we're just going to say the same things we said after the last time we played Portland. So yeah. it really wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of value to be had to be dissecting that game. I mean, Portland went up three, nothing in the first half and then just didn't try honestly for the second half. Like they were very much cruising, very much in control of that. Game. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, it was just that game and the San Jose game were what flashed in my mind when, um, Oh, hold on. There was a Pablo quote. Oh, no, it was a Albert quote at the end of last night's game. Um, he said something along the lines of um, all season when we've had our back up against the wall, we've come through it and something like that. And I just remember thinking about the San Jose and Portland game. And I was like, you didn't, though. We had our back up against the wall often in the two games previous to this and nothing came of it. We just got smoked. Yeah, I think uh, I was really frustrated with the Portland match and I was really frustrated right away because as Kyle alluded to, there was absolutely no change in tactics or system uh, going in going against a team that has already shown the the capacity to absolutely smoke your system. Um, and so that was really frustrating to me because like it, it's, you know, the, the, I always say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results, right? You sent the same team out against Portland that had already been killed by them. And then you were down three, no at halftime. And it was just like, I I've seen this movie before it before the game. I could have predicted I was like, if that's our formation, it looks like we could be in a lot of trouble here. So uh, to me, that was a really frustrating game. Uh, not because I thought that the, like, of course the players weren't perfect. There's, you know, there's things to, to blend the players on. But to me going into that game, I was like, the coaching staff has let the players down here and has put them in a position to fail. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. So like a lot of the discussion that came out of that game was like, like, oh, like our defense is so bad or def- like and and we probably want to talk about this in a later episode when we kind of recap the season and like the ups and downs and the differences, because, I mean, we have pretty distinct chapters to this season um, and the switch between Freddie to Pablo is is being the main one. But like um, there was a lot of talk about like our defensive struggles uh, in that game and like, oh, we need new defenders, blah, 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 blah. And a lot of people, including us, but like I, I, you know, people that are more statistically minded were just talking about how, you know, RSL's defense under Freddie Juarez, we let, we rarely got scored on. <laughs> we had like the, one of the best defenses and we instantly became one of the worst once Pablo took over. Um, so it's like, did the players just get magically worse? Uh, and you know, there was a lot of focus on, uh, the midfield losing the ball, but it's like when you were playing this system that is just, you know, sets up to be so heavily punished, like it's, it's such an unforgiving system, the way we were playing against San Jose and Portland. That's like, no wonder, like your players are going to make mistakes regardless of, of who they are, especially in MLS. Like uh, the bar isn't 
this the highest in the world. And we expect mistakes to happen, and of course, that's going to. I think it's important, as we learned in that game, and I think as we learned in the San Jose game also, is but the other side of that is that like when those mistakes happen, it's important that you have a a formation and setup and system around it that mitigates those mistakes as much as possible instead of exacerbating them and making them way worse than they need to be because not every turnover in the midfield should result in a goal scoring opportunity for your opponent like that's not how that should happen and like there's a lot of focus on Pablo Ruiz and Everton of course and Beasler as well in the midfield um and like I, I see why people are focused on 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 aspects because like their turnovers often led directly to like dangerous chances or in some cases goals but it's like I mean all of this was here in place before we switched to this new system um, and we weren't getting punished in the way we have been since then. So, yeah, I, there, yeah. there's a lot to be said about that, but we'll get to it probably at a later episode. Yeah, just to I mean, to talk specifically about the Portland game, there was a, I think the third goal was like a turnover by Ruiz, I think. Yeah. Yes. And. Yeah, just it's a perfect example of what you're talking about. Like Ruiz, that game was very good. Generally speaking, if you just look at like passing numbers, possession numbers, turnover type stuff, Paulo's a pretty good player. I mean, by MLS standards, he's pretty good. But what ends up happening is he turns the ball over, somebody scores a goal, and that's the moment that you pull from it. And so you think that Paulo's not that good of a player, but it's just like you said, like we need to be able to any team is going to turn the ball over. Players are going to get dispossessed. Somebody's going to misplay a pass like that happens in soccer. And what RSL fails at or has been failing at is preparing for that possibility. As soon as we turn the ball over or as soon as uh, somebody plays a bad pass, like, like I said, it's a goal scoring opportunity for the other team because of the way that we're set up. It's not because Justin Glad or Eric Holt is a bad defender or Everton can't contain the midfield. It's because nobody's being asked to do anything as a backup. Like we just expect these guys to have 100% 100% possession and never ever turn the ball over and yeah. so while attacking do, with like six or seven players ahead of the ball in that yeah. in that instant like Pablo turns the ball over. We had five guys who are on the 18 just spread across the field and it's like of course this is the natural yeah, result he, of like what's gonna happen <laughs> and the ball was turned over like in the attacking third yeah and like, then it wasn't it wasn't like a Beasler thing where what yeah. happened to Beasler where he had a they were trying to play out of the back and the ball gets taken off his foot at the top of the 18 like Portland still had to go like 60 yards and they did and they and did they it did. very quickly and easily, so easily. <laughs> And you look at yeah. that and you you can't it's insane to me that people look at that and say, oh, well, that's Holt's fault or, oh, that's Paulo's fault. Like there are several steps between Portland getting the ball and then scoring the goal that something better could have happened. Yeah. Yeah. One, it's it's impossible to expect your players to never make mistakes, as you said. Um, but also, I think that the focus on it being individual mistakes uh, sometimes takes away from the fact that the other team can be pretty good at what it does. Yeah. And Portland, with someone like Diego Chara in the midfield, 
is pretty good at pressing high and winning the ball back. So when you're playing a system that is unforgiving to losing the ball to a high press, you're playing into Portland's hands. That's what Portland wants. They want to win that ball and that press and counterattack really quickly. And so when you set your team up tactically that way, you have to be perfect against Portland because they are good on the counter. And that's just an unreasonable expectation there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And I think I think it was after that game. It might have been after that game or the San Jose game, but I think Albert was talking explicitly about that, saying that like when you know we had turnovers and we didn't have enough guys back to deal with it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's exactly that's it. Anyway. So that game would have clinched uh playoffs. It, uh, that whole day was a win and we're in day. We heard well, that quite a bit. Hang well, on, it's important to note that both the San Jose yeah. and Portland games <laughs> yeah. were home games in which if RSL had won them, they would have clinched their spot and actually been vying for potentially a higher seed. Yeah, they poten- could have been to, vying for the up to the fourth seed, I think, where yeah. Portland was. When we were talking um before the final four games of the season, we said there's two games on the road and two games at home. Our target is 48 points. That means we need six. Winning those two at home would be great. But like we knew four games ago that like get six points and you're in the playoffs and that's the goal. Mm -hmm. And then we got three points right away and everybody thought we were great. And then we had these two (laughs) garbage piece of crap games. So like it wasn't like portland was the key game like we sucked against san jose and we sucked against portland and that's why we have the situation that we had against sporting yeah we could have locked us up two weeks ago not two weeks ago two games ago but we didn't yeah yep. and and it really i mean like it, it will be lost in the wash because like you know a good achievement by ourselves to get in the playoffs but to lose two potential playoff clinching games at home a place where you've been really good all season yeah is bad like it's embarrassing it should have never happened that's that's a team who was not focused uh, a coaching staff that was not getting that team ready to play and that's not good like part of the i realize making the playoffs is a success but to have made it that hard was unnecessary Mm -hmm. and it should have been locked up two games ago. And the fact that it came down to what it did, uh, was not great. If we're being honest. Yeah, no, it it absolutely was not. And it came down to RSL at sporting Kansas city, uh, final game of the season decision day across MLS. Like there were like 25 games happening or whatever. Um, all of the Eastern Conference games started at like a early afternoon. Western Conference games started early evening and everyone plays at the same time. So a uh, lot of results relying on each other in order to clinch qualification. RSLs being one of them um, needing to win in order to make it to uh, to get into the playoffs. A lot of teams, well, LA Galaxy in particular, needing RSL to lose in order to get into the playoffs. Um Minnesota, like Minnesota, everyone was up in the mix. Colorado was playing, trying to get first place. Sporting Kansas City was in the mix for first place. It was just, uh, it, it was a mess, um, a beautiful mess. So RSL needs a win. And what did they do? They lined up in a, when the, the lineup was announced, um, it was li- announced as a, I mean, we saw the, the roster. Joni Menendez was in the starting lineup. And if he's in the starting lineup, most of the, I mean, as we were told, he's he was a victim of the switch to the three five two. He was in this one, so I, it, indicators were there that it was a four two three one instead, and that was confirmed on the radio and then confirmed by the game. And 
I was very, I was very happy to see this because I honestly genuinely felt like this was going to give us the best chance at winning this game. I, I was thinking, I mean, one of the worst things we could have done is try to come out way too strong and fast and give up goals on the break against a home team and uh, in Kansas city in a loud packed stadium, um, where a team is hungry to get first place in, in the Western conference. And I was very, I was very pleased to see that we came out in a formation that we are comfortable with, that we were very sound with defensively through the majority of this season until Freddie left and that I didn't have any big concerns about um, systematically, I guess. And we even generate, I mean, so the big debate, I guess, between the styles of Freddie and the styles of, uh, and the style of Pablo is kind of, is that sacrifice between um, your defensive mentality and structure versus the offensive one. Freddie's being the more defensive one and Pablo's being the more offensive one. Um, and the cost and benefit of each one of those. And, um, I don't think it has to be that binary, but apparently with how this all works, apparently it has to be, but we, I thought we did really well in this formation. We were very defensively sound. Uh, we generated a few chances in the first half as well. One of which Ruby Rubin probably should have put away. We had a couple others that easily, um, were were pretty dangerous chances. I don't think we had any shots on frame in the first half, but it wasn't like they were good scoring chances. And I felt good about our odds just trying to steal one in the second half if we were able to hold them to to no goals. Like this is something that we were doing under Freddie quite a bit. I mean, we did drop points from winning positions often under Freddie as well. But um, with with this formation, I think it gave us the best chance to win the game. Is that did you guys agree or like, were you guys happy to see this? Or, I mean, I'm assuming you were probably relieved to not see the three, five, two in this situation. I was Uh, thrilled. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely thrilled. Um, I thought, I thought it was funny in the pregame. Samantha Yarick interviewed Pablo and, you know, Samantha Yarick was like, well, Pablo, what, what necessitated the change? Like why change now for this game? And he's like, well, you know, in the last couple of games, we gave up seven goals and that wasn't really acceptable, which made me laugh because I was like, you had far worse stretches yeah. uh, under this system than seven goals in two games. So I liked it. That, that made me laugh a little bit. I thought that that was kind of a funny answer. Um, but it was, it was surprising to me because like, you know, all there was certain um, realms of the media, which continually det- told us that this was the system that was optimizing the best out of the players. And that when push came to shove, Pablo blinked first and said, uh, if my job's going to be on the line, I'm not really going to count on this system, which uh, made me, you know, like for a guy who kept talking about how they needed to go grab it by the scruff of their horns, he turned conservative uh, just in time, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I mean, the last possible moment veered back to to a safe, I mean, a safe system that in this instance, it, it paid dividends. So, um, I mean, I thought it was like, again, the first half RSL didn't dominate possession or anything like San Jose did, but just overall balance of chances. It wasn't like super clear cut either way. RSL was holding pretty fast. Um, and then we got, and then we got into the second half where, you know, things start to get a little bit nervier and, uh, we, we made some changes to really go for it. And I think that was the right move to, to hold as long as you can without getting scored on and then just go for it when you need to. And that that's, that's what ended up happening. So, um, 
So I have to, I have to have a, I have to ask a question here. Yeah. I didn't, um, I had to watch the game without sound. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to me, it didn't really seem that Kansas city was going for the win. It really seemed to me like they were way more interested in keeping RSL out of the playoffs than they were in securing yeah, their they were own pretty... top seed because they didn't even, yeah. it's Johnny Russell, right? Who they didn't even sub in. Was he hurt? Was there ever any explanation given for why no. Johnny Russell no. didn't play? They were, in fact, like um, DJ and Jay Nolly were talking about like how weird it was that he wasn't playing. Um, yeah, and he, like, was, he was fully expected to be a sub. Like yeah. everybody thought he was going to be a sub. And then when he finally, in like the 70 or 80th minute, when everybody kind of realized it wasn't going to happen, yeah, the conversation kind of turned into like, what is Peter Vermes doing? Like, yeah, he's going to have two and a half weeks off. Like, he doesn't need yeah. to like not play today. And a big critique of Peter Vermees and his system is that he runs players into the ground towards the end of this uh, end of the season. Like Kyrie Shelton played all 90 minutes of this game, and like a lot of I was reading a lot of Sporting Kansas City fans' comments about this, and they're like, why? why 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 like why did any of this happen um like grayson barber was their first sub he came out at the 83rd minute again like this is a team that like i mean if they like everyone's having having has a break after this and he didn't make us up till the 83rd minute or excuse me Second he, sub. He, yeah that was their second sub they had one in the 61st minute but the in the 83rd minute grayson barber was expected to come out for johnny russell and uh Cameron Duke came in instead and he actually had the best scoring chance for Kansas City aside from the the penalty um where he just <laughs> missed one from inside the 18 where it was it was it was bad. Um well I mean so it, it was bad but also he's a 20 year old that like has barely played yeah. pro minutes it was so his like, first touch of the game. It's about what you so expect yeah. It, it I, was, oh, sorry, too harsh on well, I was just going to say like it was just shocking to me because Kansas City had a lot to play for. Um, yeah, they had they had the opportunity to wrap up a first round bye, and then they would have even more time off to like get healthy. And it really didn't seem like they went for that win. They they could have I felt gone for the jugular against RSL. I mean, like you know, like their playoff spot was secured. So if I were in Peter Vermes' position, I would be like, I want to secure the top seed, and I'm going to go for the jugular here because at worst. I get the third seed, right? Like, yeah. So I, I didn't really understand why all of a sudden, like Kansas city felt like they were playing so conservatively other than it seemed like Peter Vermees wanted to just be like, I'm keeping RSL out of the playoffs. And that's like, I want like, for sure. I hate this franchise. Like that's what it seemed like to me. It seemed <laughs> yeah, really that, weird. Yeah. yeah that I, first sub they made was a defensive sub. It was, it was Ilya Sanchez and it was in the, it was the 61st minute. And so they subbed out like a, def- they had a defensive sub, like why um but if if no other reason than what you're saying colin but yeah so that was that was weird um and then so sorry trevor go for it i was just gonna say there's a couple theories about what could have been going through peter vermes's mind and one of them which is probably my favorite is just that like peter vermes might not want that extra week of a buy round there's I mean, you're already dealing with an an international break. Playoffs don't start from, I mean, until the 20th, which is 12 days from now. So you already have like two weeks, whatever momentum you may have had going into the playoffs, it like all starts over as soon as the playoff begins. And so if you have that bye week, the theory is that by the time you're playing your first game, you're playing somebody who's already played a game recently and won that game. So they have the momentum and maybe a little bit of a mental um, like advantage. Yeah. So there's a theory that Peter Vermes didn't want first round, 
didn't want the first round by and I can kind of see it. I can kind of see that as I well. I kind of dig that. Peter Vermes is kind of a guy. I mean, obviously he's been around MLS for years and years and years and years. So he knows what he's doing. Um, he's been a very successful coach and GM. And I feel like if he's not going for the jugular, like it's because he doesn't want to. It's yeah. because he's comfortable and satisfied with not being first place. And I think that was part of it. The calculation of him going into the game was we don't need to be first place. If we're not first place, we're still fine. He knows that yeah. first place is not always the ticket straight to the MLS cup. I think I saw a stat today that was like over the last like 10 or years or so, like the number one seed has gone to MLS cup like three times. Like, yeah, they're, they're trying to make it a big advantage this time, but it could just be not an advantage. And it could just be that, like I said, Peter Vermes might just not want to deal with that might just want to get right into it and get going yeah it's i mean the top of the table is weird because i mean colorado's colorado and portland in the west are like have the best run of form um by far like seattle hasn't won a game in like six games uh they've just been drawing and losing uh sporting kansas city this is their uh, third loss in a row start um considering last night so just weird things going on at the top of the table and yeah maybe three weeks Vermees was thinking that's too much, but I'm not sure. So we make our first sub in the 63rd minute. We bring on Anderson Julio for Rubio Rubin. And then less than 10 minutes later, we bring on Justin Miram for Pablo Ruiz and then Bobby Wood for Johnny Menendez. So that's kind of something that we also saw um, sometimes with uh, Freddie. It was take off a midfielder, put on like an attacker, and then we'll just kind of launch the ball forward and see what happens. I was happy to see that didn't happen a ton but there was still a little too much of that too early in my opinion of the just like lobbing the ball forward but that's how this team plays a lot of the time um so then there's this moment where uh for some reason roger espinoza is like their farthest player up the field and the ball in he is like with justin glad in in r18 and uh Ochoa is at home and the ball bounces like kind of weirdly and Justin is kind of caught out of position and he's trying to do this weird I don't know what he was trying to do trying to figure out where the ball was and Roger was and he definitely handles the ball <laughs> away from Roger Espinoza and uh I mean everyone freaks out Roger instantly like stops playing and says like handball the crowd is screaming play continues the ball doesn't go out of bounds for like, I was trying to, I was really didn't want it to go out of bounds. Cause I was like, okay, a second, the soon, as soon, I don't know why I just felt like the longer we can get away with this, not going out of bounds, the less likely they are to review it. I don't know if that ended up being the case, but I did think that it was like a long amount of time where the ball hadn't gone out of bounds. Um, ball goes out. People are still screaming for VAR. And apparently the video assistant referee, uh, said that it did not meet the threshold as a clear and obvious error by the center ref. And so a penalty was not given and the game continues. And I thought, I thought that it said that actually it decided that Justin Glad didn't handball intentionally. And that's well, why they decided it wasn't a clear and obvious error. Yeah. So it's, it's two different parts because that's what the center ref said. Well, no, hang on because what we, the information we have is from the, post-game questions that you're allowed well, to ask referees, which are of information now. So there was the post-game thing from the referees, and then yep. today Pro made a statement. So the sure. first okay. one. Sorry. Yeah. From the from the immediate post-game 
um, information that they asked. They asked, I don't remember the specific questions, but the information was basically given that uncle said he didn't call it because he didn't have a clear view of it. It looked to him like it just came off of Espinosa's chest mm-hmm. and didn't hit Justin's hand and all. That's why he didn't make the call. And that was just a symptom of like where he was positioned. His angle wasn't very good to see it. So he didn't see it. He didn't make the call. Um, and then VAR said that, A, it wasn't a clear and obvious error. And the reason it wasn't was because they didn't think it was a deliberate handball, which is garbage. If you look at the handball, like rule, the way it's written, what deliberate means, and the way that it's been called all season, it absolutely met all the criteria to be a handball. It was definitely deliberate. There's no definition of the word deliberate in the laws of the game or in the English language that make that not a deliberate play. Right. And and so that opinion, so the, the first opinion is sent is the question was, why why did you not tell the center ref to go review it? And he said, Well, I didn't see it as a clear and obvious error by yeah. the center ref. And it's like, why did you not see that as a clear and obvious error? And he says, Because the action by Glad was not deliberate. What's, Which is I mean, the, yeah. We're all in agreement here. Uh, a stone wall penalty. Oh, yes. absolutely. That, that was that in any other league, any a hundred percent of the time with VAR, that is a penalty. That yeah. was it, it was unbelievable no, that, that even, was not given. And even on the broadcast, the guys there was a second where they showed like a quick clip uh while the play was still going on before it had gone out of bounds. They showed a quick clip and DJ and Jay were both like, Oh, oh yep, that's yeah. gonna be called back. We're okay. It, it, this is all pointless. We're going to see a penalty here in a second. There's no way that this doesn't get reviewed. And I watched it and thought the exact same thing. I was like, this is absolutely a penalty. We just yeah. gave up a penalty in the 90th minute. We're toast. Yeah. Um, we'll talk more about this in a sec. But uh, yeah, it, it wasn't called. The game continues. RSL keeps getting more chances too. Justin Miram um, had a very positive impact on this game. Um had a, had a good uh, some good moves to get some open shots. Um, one of one of which actually ended up leading to the goal. But um, Justin Miram was great. Sanderson Julio had a couple good chances. We had we had like one or two counterattacks where we had like four guys forward, um, and we weren't able to score on either of them. It really looked like we were going to get one, and then as it got to the ninety third minute of stoppage, we're like, okay, this isn't going to happen. Um, but then. As I mentioned, Justin Miriam gets a shot. Uh, it's 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 or it's it's saved by Amelia. It's kind of bounced around a little bit. It's played out. It's it's out to Brody. He crosses it all the way over the field to Herrera. Herrera crosses it again. Everton acted like I I, I don't want to see any more shot attempts from Everton, even though this one ended ended well. Everton had like a weird shot attempt that was like partially de- uh, deflected, and he kind of mishit it, and it. Went to Melia, um, or no, sorry, went to Miram actually on that one. And then he did the bicycle kick assist to Crylock for the volley to score to win the game, who I also thought was offside at first. And then he, he very much was not offside. Um, but him looking offside is also contributing to this narrative that Sporting Kansas City fans are developing that uh, RSLs in the pocket of MLS or the other way around, whatever. As Dino- we always have been. In order to inflate the value of Real Salt Lake for a potential buyer, which is you know, this is, this is a conspiracy can't. theory we've heard over and over and over about how MLS <laughs> just loves RSL and small small market teams yes. way too much. At and the we expense just get all, of Los Angeles, at the expense <laughs> of Los Angeles, we just get we get all the advantages. Um, can 
Just just for a quick reminder, uh, uh, why I will shed no tears for sporting Kansas City. Uh, do you guys happen to remember a, a, an MLS Cup final against Ooh. sporting Kansas City? I uh, seem to remember it also took place in, in Kansas City. Also took place in Kansas City. RSL was leading 1-0 and uh, Aurelio Collin is on a yellow. And then he does a tactical foul. On, which is uh, a yellow Robbie Finley <laughs> tactical foul on him which is a second yellow the ref is too cowardly to pull the card <laughs> let's be honest the ref was too cowardly it was yep. absolutely a second yellow on the broadcast the national yep. broadcast they're like that's yep. a second yellow Fallman Healy uh, agreed yep who who, who scored the equalizer the... Aurelio Collins scored the equalizer <laughs> to send it into extra time so who's you know what Kansas City game? you know what Kansas City I feel no sympathy for you. Good for you. I'm no. glad it happened to you of all teams. You deserved it. I only wish that it had knocked you out of the playoffs. It's the only thing that could have made that goal sweeter to me. Trevor, what did you ask? Who, who was the coach for Kansas City that game? Does anybody remember? It was Peter Vermees. I think oh, it was Peter been. Vermees. Oh my gosh, yeah. what a anyway. coincidence. Yeah, so, so yeah, and we'll get to the fallout from, from that whole thing, but like... <clears throat> RSL win this game uh, through an extremely timely goal from Demir Krylock. Just all, again, just what a player for RSL. Um, great assist from Justin Miram. It was a bicycle kick. I don't know what he, I mean, he was just trying to get the ball close to the goal, uh, whether it was going to be on frame or not, probably. But um, Demir Krylock buries it and we win. So it was so far off frame. It was it was definitely going wide. It was not a good bicycle. Like I mean, no. like you got to give it a shot there, but that had that was not see, going in. I, I don't I don't know if it was that the far angle off. Looks all wrong. He looked like I mean, I, it, it wasn't going to score. I like it, he hit it too softly for it to be. I mean, it was a perfect pass, be just because uh, of how soft the bicycle kick was. I mean, it looked like he connected, just you know. Um, but anyway, so. The game ends. Uh, Sporting Kansas City is very pissed, obviously, because they feel like they deserved a penalty. Um, but I, something that's just been interesting. Oh, actually, Colin, I think it might have been on front. Like it might have been going back post. No, really, I think. I it was about Mir- Are we still discussing Miron's bicycle kick? Yeah, I just barely. Ooh, uh, it, it was going to go. Even it was going to slightly wide, maybe. Yeah, but I think it was wide. It, it's pretty <laughs> close. Anyway. Uh, Sorry, I just saw it again. Yeah, so um, RSL win. We love to see it, but uh, there's been a lot of talk online about like the approach to this game. Um, uh, some of our esteemed colleagues talked about uh, uh, the switch to the four two three one as being uh, a show of humility and a character and speaking bravery. to and bravery speaking and to Pablo's. To Pablo's, uh, you know, lack of ego in his situation in order to switch back to the four two three one. I think, you know, most people would look at that and be like, I mean, the way I'm looking at that is, I mean, I'm surprised he didn't make an adjustment for the Portland game. That seems like that would have been called for, seeing as they demolished that tactical system last time. Um, you would, uh, in in my opinion, that would have been also a, an, an an okay and acceptable and encouraged time to make a change like this, but. Are you talking about um, the first Portland game, which would have been? Um, I'm talking about 
Pablo's seventh game in charge where he could have seen the problems with this formation? Or are you talking I mean, about the one earlier this week that was his like 13th game in charge? Where I mean, he... I'm mainly talking about the one this week. Like he was okay, very committed right. to this system. And if, and I was like, and in, in a must, I, the, like no one assumed we were going to win the RSL game or the game at Kansas City. So it would, you would think that Portland game at home is going to be the one to make the adjustment in when you really need to win. But um, it wasn't. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of questions as to why, why now that switch. And I think, I mean, for me, the answer is obvious is because you don't want to give up a goal, but I, I know Trevor, you asked the club about this and it had to do with Silva. Is that correct? Yeah. So I just, well, the question that I asked specifically <clears throat> was whether it was like Pablo that made this decision or if it was like just pressure from other people whether that was assistant coaches or or the front office or the players even players maybe. like it just yeah. was anybody else influencing pablo and making this decision because to me it seemed like this was a decision this was a point i was just trying to make this decision should have been made like nine games ago like we knew that it wasn't a great like it worked but it didn't work you know what i mean um it wasn't an obvious improvement if anything it made the team worse um going to the three-man back line it was more fun it was more entertaining but it didn't like anyway point is i thought maybe somebody was like pablo we have to change something let's change it we have to get into the playoffs this is the time to change it um so anyway that's what i asked and the answer was no it was 100 percent on pablo pablo um made the decision to switch back to this formation and the driving force behind the um, decision was he wanted Silva to be playing. He wanted Silva to be in the in the eleven, and Silva now just coming off of the injury just wasn't fit enough um, to kind of play that center back in a three man back line where they're basically like a a right or left back. Um, they just thought that he didn't have the fitness to be going up and down the field. So if you're going to play Silva, you kind of have to play a four man back line. That's a fascinating answer. And it it also forces Everton and Pablo to kind of stay back. It allows them to um, kind of revert back to old instincts that they've been playing with for the first half of the season. Yeah. Which, again, like we said before, it's just a much more defensively sound. It's much more defensively minded, um, defensive focused formation, which is exactly what I thought this game called for. So I thought, like I said, I thought it was a great move. I thought it made a lot of sense. Um, but that was the answer that I was given as to why they went back to this was mostly just because Silva's not fit enough to go up and down as like a left-sided center back or a right-sided center back. Um, <sighs> Man. So they kind of had to play a, a four-man back line. I, I really but, do, I don't like the answer because, I mean... <laughs> the, the I, I think you don't like the answer because Marcelo Silva is famously a mistake-free player. <laughs> well, well, but that just speaks to how much better we are defensively with this formation, right? Like right. Marcelo Silva can be out there and he cannot be a liability like 99% of the time. Like we, we looked good defensively yesterday. The most nervy moments came from uh, Andrew Brody getting beat on that on that left side and then Justin Glad giving away a penalty that wasn't called. Like that's it not wasn't true. Hard. You're forgetting that Justin Glad also got completely robbed at the top of the 18, and that's as soon as he that. got robbed there. That was I, my, I was like season's over. But David Ochoa, who we haven't mentioned yet, that's right, comes up with 
a huge save there. That's and right. I forgot about that one. Season-saving save because Justin Glad got absolutely <laughs> pickpocketed at the worst possible I place know. on the field. I forgot that happened. That, yeah, that was in the first half. Um, was that in? Or was that in the beginning of the I second? Think it was half? in the beginning of the yeah, second. It, we were on. It was a show. It was on the right side of my screen. Yeah. The yeah. only um, error recorded in the game was that one, and it was at the forty-eighth minute. Yeah, that was that was extremely rough. Um, and the other ones were just being getting caught out of position. Um, yeah, and and like, but yeah. Uh, other than that one where Achoa bailed us out, finally we got an Achoa bailing us out save. Um, I thought we looked really good defensively. I thought Silva was good defensively that whole game as well. And I think it is in a perfectly acceptable answer for Pablo or anyone else to be like, "Hmm, we gave up, you know, seven goals in the last two games. Like, it's time to like switch back to like a more defensive organization." Um, and try to eke this one out, which is what we did. And I felt like, I mean, credit to Pablo for what we ended up doing. I, I don't know about like the description around, around why we did certain things. I am, was 100% supportive of the, of everything that took place that game. I sticking to that, uh, to that formation, holding them to not being able to score for 60 odd minutes and then start bringing in attackers and just piling it on incrementally as the game starts to end out and try to sneak one in and we did and i thought that was that was the right way to approach that game because with like the stakes that we were up against with that team that we were up against um like shallowy is an incredible attacker for sporting kansas city and i was fully expecting him to score on us and he did not and i think we just looked better uh defensively than we have in a long time and i was very pleased about that but anyway yeah it's the thing that I always go back to and the San Jose and Portland games are great examples is we got beat by the same thing that everybody else had been beating us on consistently. Yeah. We were giving up chances because they were able to get in behind the defense out wide and that stretched the center backs, the three center backs, or they just simply were caught out of position and it, it turned into a counterattack and a goal. And we got beat so many times by the same things by so many different teams um, throughout the last 12 or 13 games that didn't happen at all against yeah. sporting it might they might have beat us once or twice but a team's going to beat you once or twice they're going to get mm-hmm. out wide once or twice and like that's expected but it wasn't easy and it wasn't consistent and it wasn't anything like what we've seen it was great it was good yeah, defense it good was. sound it was, defense and we addressed it. the issues that we were having and it solved them immediately <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think that I, you know, I completely agree. And it's the frustration is not uh, with Pablo that he switched for this game very soundly with great reasoning switched for this game um, to have waited so long is the problem. Like we shouldn't have been in the situation of needing a 96th minute miracle goal to reach the postseason when we were yeah. in clear position to do so three weeks ago. Yeah. And that's, that's not, you know, uh, there's some colleagues in the media who spun this situation as a masterclass of tactics. And it's like, we lost two home games that would have secured <laughs> qualification a week ago. Yeah. Like that's because you got a 95th minute gold is, is like, it's lucky it's not master tactics right like yeah no it's that's the thing that in today and last night are not really the best time for this message to be received but 
like seventh place is not an accomplishment for starters. <laughs> it, it's just not like nobody's yeah. proud and happy at the beginning of the season, middle of the season. If we said, Hey, we're going to get seventh place. We're going to barely squeak in. Nobody is happy. Nobody yeah. on the team, none of the players, none of the coaches, none of the fans, nobody's happy. The only reason that there's this attitude about Pablo being great, uh, a great tactician or this team being filled with the greatest players that this team has ever seen is because a miracle happened twice in like 10 minutes. Yeah. We didn't get the penalty call, which was a miracle. And yeah. we got Demir scoring a last minute goal, which was a miracle. And those miracles only matter because we were so bad in the two previous games at home in front of fans. <laughs> like That's the only reason that any of this matters. And yeah. at the end of the day, what it is, is we barely squeaked in because we were bad and it's seventh place. Like who's super excited about that for this team? Like at the end of the game, the team uh, social and a whole bunch of um, other people were like, they did the thing that a lot of other teams have done, which is just basically like, nobody believed us. Everybody thought we were terrible. Yeah. Talking about like preseason stuff and, and bringing up receipts and all that, which is fine. And it's fun. Don't get me wrong. But you don't get to pop the champagne bottle for seventh place barely <laughs> by one minute in this in the entire season. Yeah, like yeah. you don't you don't get to. And looking back, like like I said on, on Twitter, what happens when we go play Seattle and we just get smoked because Seattle's so much better than us? Like, yeah, that's okay. the most likely scenario, and I it think- means that seventh place just we just get reminded about how dumb finishing seventh is. And how non of a how a non accomplishment that is how much of a non accomplishment that is. I think you I think you bring up a good point, and it's a point I've been I've been struggling to articulate, and I think I finally got it. Uh, fans and and the media tell us that the players are both better than they're showing, and that the coaching is great, and yet the team is barely making the playoffs in like a very last minute mediocre thing, and it's like. You can't have great players and great coaching and have bad results. That's not how that works. You either you either yeah. have oops, you either have you know bad players not living up to good coaching, or you have poor coaching not getting the best out of the players. And you cannot you cannot have both good coaching and good players and end up where RSL was. And that's to go along with that same point, like not to downplay what some of these players have done because Demir and Albert have had like record setting seasons. They've had incredible seasons, like in the history of RSL players, RSL seasons, incredible seasons. And if you have two players, yeah, Aaron Herrera is in that conversation as well. well. If you have two or three or four or five, let's say three players that are having the best years of their entire careers and you finish seventh, in the Western Conference, barely by one minute. Like, what does that mean? Like, what does it matter? I mean, obviously yeah. it matters, but like, you can't be so happy about finishing so low when you had players of that caliber giving the best they've ever gone, best they've ever given for the team. Like that, yeah. that feels like a failure on some level. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Like the fact so that Demir is thing. not going to be the ML, the MLS MVP. He's incredible, but he's yeah. not going to be. I don't think. Yeah, he he and, he and Albert together are just having like 
best best MLS type seasons right now. Like both both of them deserve to be on that, um, and especially like seeing Albert Albert's trajectory. And I think he's someone that's benefited obviously from um, the the switch to Pablo's sure. system. Um, and like certain things have changed that are, that have put him in positions to where he's not. I mean, Albert isn't as good on the wing, and I think as we saw that yesterday. He was less involved, but um, I mean, there's got to be a way to figure out both of these things. And so, <coughs> yeah, um, obviously, like some of the results from this or that the Galaxy missed the playoffs because we got in Sporting Kansas City dropped to third um, and there's a still soccer left to be played. We play at Seattle um, somewhere we've we, where we have struggled, but I mean, we've struggled um a lot way, of yeah in a lot of places and we've i mean rsl lives and dies by the dramatics so i mean it's stranger things have happened and obviously the player is going to be playing with some extra motivation going up against freddie but it's i think it's short-sighted to say it's going to be about that because it's 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 i mean this team wants to go as far as they can and i i mean the the, the like the discussion around the coaching is so difficult to speak about because um I, like I don't have any like personal qualms against Pablo aside from his time in the Colorado Rapids. Like it seems like like he and the players have a good thing going. I think like he seems I generally over overall like Pablo as a guy. I think he's I think he's great. But uh, just he, as Colin was saying is like I, I'm a firm believer that this team and I and I think if you go back to the beginning of this season, like Trevor was mentioning those receipts. Everyone in this organization believed we were better than what like the MLS or, uh, analysts or whatever were saying we were. Um, like everyone, like uh, I, the vast majority of them picked RSL maybe like tenth, ninth, somewhere in that range to miss the playoffs. And I think beating their expectations is good, and I and I and I like that. But and I think that speaks to the fact that there's a belief that there are really good players on this roster, and this team has the potential to be better than it is. And I still believe that. And that's why I don't think <laughs> Pablo Mastroeni is like the coach for the future here is because we have really good pieces here. Um, and I don't see us, I don't see that being maximized. Um, and maybe that is different with different pieces on this team. I don't know. Um, like just fitting into his three, five, two, like it can be done. Um, we, maybe we just don't have them. And maybe if he gets different players, then that will be the case. But, Overall, I think it's very short-sighted to just assume that Pablo should be the coach because he's here and he's doing like what some describe to be a decent job. And I'm and I'm very happy about RSL getting to the playoffs. Um, I expected them to make the playoffs at the beginning of the season. Obviously, Freddie walking out on the team was an like something that no one foresaw at all. But I think um, no one was really hyped on Freddie being here anyway at a certain point in the season with how many points RSL were dropping to, uh, to opponents from winning positions. Like there were some real problems with how Freddie was leading this team, um, to where him leaving wasn't just like it, we weren't crying that we lost the most amazing coach or anything like that. Yeah. But I think we shouldn't also be so quick to jump at the next shiny object who, I mean, I'm thankful that Pablo has been able to ride this ship out to be where it's at and that things just haven't collapsed. I don't know if they would have collapsed if, if it had been someone else though. I, I honestly don't know. We can't know what we don't know. And I don't think he has just earned himself the job by, you know, securing seventh place here. 
especially with the run of form that we, you know, finished the season off with. I think it's, it's, it's tough, Yeah, but that is the, like the big question is, um, can this team be better with these players? And if, and like, like exactly like Colin was saying, if the answer is yes, why then the question becomes, why aren't we? And is it the players or is it the system that we're playing? And is it the management? Like it, it really can't be both ways. Like this team does not have aspirations. I know at one point, Andy Carroll said this, this team has goals to make the playoffs every year. The goal is not to make the playoffs every year. The goal is to win trophies. And Andy Carroll is gone. And that mentality should be gone. So do we think this roster can win trophies like this? And if the answer is yes with this roster, then how do you get that roster to win a trophy? And it does not come from someone, like a t- team that's losing at home to San Jose and Portland in the fashion they did back-to-back games. Like that's just, it's unacceptable. So there's a lot of, I mean, and a, a lot of these can be saved for like, the discussions after what happens in Seattle, but I think they still apply. It sounds like Trevor isn't very optimistic about our chances in Seattle. Um, I think crazier things have happened and Seattle's in a bad run of form. And I think it would be a very funny time for us to randomly be very good there. (laughs) And so I think that it might happen just because just the dumbest thing that happens in MLS is sometimes the thing that happens. And I think also that would likely mean that RSL plays Sporting Kansas City after that. And I think that the RSL revenge tour uh, might just have to be spoken into existence. So I'm doing that now. We are looking ahead to the RSL revenge tour. First stop is Seattle. We're going to beat them. We're going to beat Freddie. And he's going to be sad. We're going to see Colorado uh, in the... In the conference championship championship game, and That's then right. uh, I don't know who do we care who do we hate on the East Coast. I, we don't, I don't know. We don't hate anybody on the East Coast, but we want the Red Bulls. If Red Bull, if it's a Red Bull RSL final, then the finals in Salt Lake. Oh, All right, great. Here we go. Revenge tour with the final against the Red Bulls in Salt Lake. You heard it here first. It's going to be <laughs> zero degrees on the field or whatever. December fifteenth or whatever yes. it is, December eleventh. I but like the the the. the the discussion oh, on the Pablo World Cup that starts December 15th. Isn't uh, that like part of the, the controversies that the, it's like four days next before year. the World Cup starts or like whatever? No, that's next year. That's right. right yeah, right. that's next year. They're bumping the season up to not bump into the December Christmas World Cup we're going to have next year yeah. because got to have in Qatar. But I, I, I really think it's it's very short sighted and small minded. And I don't mean that like in an offensive way. I mean, like thinking too small, thinking that like Pablo deserves the job now, like well, to yeah, that with- point, Kyle, I was going to say, RSL was in sixth place when when Freddie Juarez left and Pablo took the job and he guided them to seventh place. Yeah, that's and, not, and it's not really a stellar job, <laughs> right? Like, he, he actually went backwards. Freddie left them in a better position than Pablo ended up finishing them. And I think it's like they, having your coach walk out like like in that fashion and ending up about roughly the same spot or, you know, barely off of where you were, I think... I think that is fine. Like I, I'm not, and I think that's an acceptable result for the things that have happened over the last year and a half. That's fine with me. But like to with the idea of fresh, new, big, big daddy billionaire money that's potentially going to roll in here soon. Um, like we should be shooting for the stars. And I, as much, and like I'm, I, I like again, I like Pablo. I'm not saying that he's terrible, and I'm not saying that anyone who likes Pablo is dumb for liking him because I, I, he's a likable guy. I like his interviews, and I like, you know, I, I understand why people have a certain infa- infatuation with him. I'm just saying that, like, if you want RSL to reach the heights 
that we all think it can be and that has been previously. And if we truly believe the players on this roster on this roster are better than the results that we're getting, then you need someone to come in to be able to get the absolute best out of every single player on this roster. And I do not see that happening under Pablo Mastroeni. And I, I, I don't, I don't want that to be the case. If he came in and we just like, he swept the nation with this roster and we were, and we were just flying. I would, I would love it. And I would be, I'd be very stoked, but like I, we're seeing the limitations of this and we can't have it both ways. So like, you know, well, it is me- what it is. Let me make the counter argument. Um, for starters, I think I just want to say a couple of things about Pablo. I've been very down on Pablo on Twitter and on the podcast a lot, but it should be clear that, like you mentioned, a couple of things Pablo has done very well at some things, and he should get credit for those. Um, I mean, the fact that he did manage to keep this team after going through what Freddie did to like a playoff level and get them into the playoffs. And MLS is very much a league of like, once you get into the playoffs, like the season starts over and it's anybody's game. So on that level, like getting to the playoffs is a good thing. Obviously Um, Pablo did that. Pablo did help Demir and Albert have the incredible seasons that they did have. It was pretty clear that once Pablo came over and made the switch, he said it was to make Albert a more impactful player. Albert became a more impactful, impactful player and he should get credit for that his goal was to to change the formation to accomplish a few things and it accomplished those things um so from that from that angle i I can like you said i can see why people like pablo and want pablo to be a coach and i can kind of get behind that um looking forward if we give pablo the reins the idea then becomes along the lines of, yeah, maybe these players aren't the best fit for what Pablo yeah. wants to do. And yeah. if we give Pablo the ability to rebuild this roster and retool it and get the players that will fit this three, five, two system that he has pl- going, then I think it could be one of those teams that is incredible that we do just overwhelm people with players going forward and we score four goals a game. And I think we could win a lot of games with a couple of roster adjustments. And if you give Pablo the reins, I think you have to do that. You have to give him the ability to just completely overhaul it and get the types of players that are good for that system. And if we do that, I'm totally on board with it. If we just go keep going along with the same kind of, uh, roster thinking that we've been having the last couple of years where we sign a couple of players that are kind of big names. And then we just fill in with bits and pieces of players that we can get from the monarchs or players yeah. that we can get from USL. Like Pablo's never going to work, or at least this three, five, two system that he seems to love is never yeah. going to work. Yeah. That's a lot of big ifs, right? Cause like it that's is, but this traditionally is, been RSL's MO is, is, is that those type of signings. And yeah. that's why it's kind of, you have to have the guy that makes the most out of your players because of that situation. But with yeah. new ownership, the game changes, but we don't know what that looks like yet. So there's we so don't. many question marks. And there's definitely that. a lot of question marks, but this is, I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture where hiring Pablo makes a For lot sure. of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Makes sense is if you hire Pablo before the new owner and the new owner comes in and says, okay, what are we doing? And the, they go to him and say, the plan is to go with this guy. He's got this formation. We need these players. Yeah. Let's go get it. It will be successful because we've already seen the bones of this mm-hmm. be successful at times. If we just fix a couple of things, 
I could see that being an incredible offseason leading into an incredible next season. I yeah. I completely agree. And like it, it does get to my point where like either the players aren't good enough or the coaching isn't good enough, and it's gotta be one or the other. Yeah. So if if you believe in the coaching, then you've gotta you've gotta get the right players and increase the quality of player. Yeah. And um you know, like the situation you're talking about is is very akin to what Liverpool did with Jurgen Klopp, right? They hired Jurgen Klopp and they said, you're our guy no matter what. And we know that these first couple seasons, we don't have the players to do what you want. And we're not going to be as successful as, as we hope, but give us, we're going to give you the time to get the players that you need. And it turned into, you know, a, a successful system with the players that, that were required it for turns that. In, it turned in, and then it turned into trophies. Yes. <laughs> and so like, is. absolutely. If you're going to, if you believe that Pablo Masseroni is absolutely the guy, then you have to say that the players are not good enough to fit the system that you, the system and style that you want. And you're right. You have to, you have to overhaul the roster, but you can't have the perfect players and the perfect coaching and finish seventh. Yeah. That's yeah. not how that works. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that really is what the, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough, a tough choice. And it might have to be, I mean, you know, uh, Albert's contract is up at the end of this season. Um, we don't really know what he is going to do or wants to do next. Um, there could be a lot of big things changing. I know we have some guys on longer term contracts, but you know, sales can happen as well. Players get loaned out. Like it's a thing. Um, so yeah, lots of big stuff up in the air. And that's just why I'm like, it's really hard for me to speak definitively about like I do or I don't want like Pablo as the coach or whatever. It's just like we got to we got to chill out a little bit. We got to see like what we're working with here with ownership, because I mean, I know it initially the FL had been talking about how like that that wouldn't really influence the head coaching search. Right. That's something that was kind of Elliot at first had kind of teased out that was backed away from pretty quickly, it seemed like. And then now we're back into the let's finish the season out. Let's see how things go. Maybe ownership comes in before the end of the year. And then that gives us some time early next year to figure things out. And it honestly might not be, it's, it might be a while before we, it's probably going to be a while before we really have things flowing in the way that new ownership comes in and can, you know, make changes to. So yeah, who knows what's going to happen, but I think Trevor made some really good points as to the argument as to why Pablo would be good. I just, um, yeah, I just don't know. I think just thinking too. I just I, I don't want people to be thinking too hastily. I'm not saying you're doing this, Trevor. I think that was a great a, a good way of framing that the the desire for him to be there because there is like I mean, as you mentioned, really good things about the way that we were playing um, when that three five two was working well. I think the first thirty minutes of San Jose were a good example of that. Yep. Though um, you know we got to figure out how to balance uh, the overwhelming attack with um, the liability it lends to us. But anyway, uh, I think that's a very interesting discussion that there's gonna be plenty of time for us to have uh, in the off season. Um, do we know when the Seattle game is yet? Or have they not announced no, the I, schedule? They haven't, they haven't announced the schedule yet. I mean, they've As got of, two weeks to figure it out. Well, yeah. but that's the, stu- <sighs> this is another conversation. We're not going to dive too <laughs> deep into this is the stupid thing about MLS. I haven't checked in the last hour and a this half. This is the one stupid this thing about MLS. And only. <laughs> Everything else is perfect. <laughs> no, it's just like they announced like the schedule and days of when the, when the games would be right. Um, some teams are already selling tickets for playoff games. People are already buying tickets for playoff games, but the league hasn't announced 
who's playing at what times or on what days. So, and I mean, granted, it's we started recording an hour and a half ago. I haven't looked at Twitter since. Everybody expected that to be a pretty quick and easy. It usually is within about 24 hours of the season being done. They've usually announced <laughs> when things are going to happen, when teams are going to yeah. play, but they just haven't. Teams are already selling tickets and we don't know. But like I said, we know the TV schedule and there's some interesting theories about why we haven't heard anything about it yet, but uh, it's all really, really stupid and really MLS and just the yeah. most silly stuff. Um, yeah. So that was uh, the first. We know the first game is November 20th. That's when they said that they were going to start. The MLS Cup it. final is December 11th. That's already decided, but everything in between is still up in the air. Well, um, anyway, so RSL is going to be playing at Seattle on the turf at some point around there. Um, Demir Krylock won his second uh, MLS Player of the Week award uh, earlier this morning for his heroics last night, um, which is kind of funny because Chicharito had had a brace, I think. I honestly thought Demir didn't have a great game, but he uh, did score the, a very meaningful goal. So... Um, we love to see it. So RSL is in the playoffs. We live to see another day, uh, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. I hope. I just hope we stay competitive in Seattle. Um, we didn't do. Oh, actually, you know what's interesting? I think when you filled in for me last, uh, Colin, it was. I think you guys recorded after the last time RSL played at Seattle. Oh, that's true. Because I, I think we I talked about we caught we talked about uh, Rui Diaz. Now that I think about yeah, it, yeah, I, I watched that game, and we and uh, Anderson Julio got called for a pretty harsh handball penalty. Oh, ooh, interesting, weird parallels with that game. But uh, anyway, Kyle, yes. As we were, as you were talking, I went and looked at Jeremiah O'Shan's Twitter page, who has been it following does. the schedule thing all day. Yeah, we have a date and time for the RSL game. Nice. Uh, Seattle hosts RSL on Tuesday, November 23rd at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Wait, did you say RSL hosts Seattle? I, I, we Sorry, I read that straight from the Seattle tweet. We host RSL, so Seattle <laughs> hosts RSL on Tuesday, November 23rd at 7.30 p.m. Nice. All right, at Lumen Field. At, uh, yeah, that's Xbox funny you said that. He tweeted, I'm told a playoff schedule will drop soon. He tweeted that like half an hour ago. All right, y'all. Well... Uh, any parting thoughts? I know we talked about a lot. We're at our normal about an hour and a half in. Any, anything we, you need to get out there? Colin, it's been a pleasure to have you again, my friend. Uh, it's been great. And, you know, the, the nice thing about making the playoffs is that anything can happen. In a one-off yeah. game, anything can happen. So let's see if uh, RSL can get another absolutely fluky goal uh, to continue on a, a, crazy, a crazy stretch. Yeah, I would love it. I mean, if we if we go in with the same a similar strategy to the one in Kansas City, I honestly think we've got a chance, um, <laughs> which would be so funny. Or maybe I mean, you know, the last time we played the three five two and just dominated, we didn't we didn't score a lot of goals, but we didn't give up any chances. Was against Seattle at RSL. I don't think us. I don't expect us to go in there and do it like that. But um, anyway, well, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we will see everyone uh, probably next week. I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on. I think it's we're not... planning on doing at least one more episode before, before the playoff game. Cool. And we've only got 15, 14, 14 15 days. So cool. holy Sounds cow, good. that's two, such a long time. Two weeks from two weeks from tomorrow, which is yep. Tuesday. Which when you're listening to this, is probably going to be today. Two weeks from today. 
two weeks right, from guys. the 9th of November. Travel that safe, Matt. Good. Get home. Yes, please please get home to us, Matthew. Please, please. We All miss right. you. We truly, truly do. And I hope you enjoyed listening to us on your drive, Matt. And I hope that you and the you... other four listeners that we have. Yes, there's only four. There's well, only four. Now that I've been on the pod, don't I don't be. need to listen to it. So it's only three. <laughs> yeah, we three lost one. one of our listeners that's, is on the pod. That's a, that's a damn shame. Well, gentlemen, good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.